So what is it that makes a family a family? Everybody here has a family, right? You might be thinking a family is made up of, of my brothers and my sisters. I think of little kids with this. They say, well, I, I, was just, I was born and I got my parents. And we have Thanksgiving and we have Christmas and I have all sorts of cousins. And some families have a lot more cousins than others. But that's, that's how a little kid's probably going to look at it. My flesh and my blood, my cousins, my mom and dad make up my family. But we know that a family can be made up of more than that. I have a wife. She was not my sister. She was a Roe, and she became a McLaughlin. So we know that families can expand through marriage. And when we got married, we had two kids, Noah and Caleb. But that's not the only thing that expands a family or, or counts as a family. Uh, sometimes it comes to fostering. I, I have a twin brother, and I have a sister that's like a year and a half younger than me, and my parents. So that's my flesh and blood. But when I was in school, we, we had three foster sisters, one that was in my class, one that was a year younger than me, and one that was six years old. And they lived with us, the six-year-old, up until she was 18. They never got our family name of McLaughlin, but the, we considered them family. The mother was still involved enough that it didn't work out, but we considered them family. Adopting. Now I have this, it feels like a miracle story I want to share with you. I have a sister, Bethany, we got when she was three days old. So October 6th, I think it was, I figured it out, uh, 1993. I was playing soccer at, at Christian Heritage, and I was not somebody who was a big fan of little kids. I think little kids, they are a lot of work, you know, and they're not, they're, they're kind of cute, but they just demand so much attention. Well, one day when I was at soccer practice, the coach had a three-year-old little daughter. I thought, man, I would love to have a little sister. Believe it or not, I went home and guess what was there? I had a little sister. Uh, my parents were asked to uh, just watch this little baby for two weeks, and that turned into longer and longer till ultimately she's still my sister. My parents were able to adopt her when she was about three years old. And the only thing that made that tough was because of the skin color because she was half white, half black, mulatto, however you want to look at that. And we were all white. And it was a town that was all white. But anyway, we counted her as our family. Not flesh and blood, but she's our family. But we know that not everybody has to be related or living in our house to be our family. Because we say, we get attached to people. I, I call Anita, I, I call her my sister. She calls me brother. We're not related, but we, we have a connection. And I can call you my brothers and sisters just the same way. Uh, you, have, you have gangs of brothers. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't even mean that everybody is going to be part of your family, though. Because when you guys have Thanksgiving, how come we don't all invite everybody over? Because we're not all, we don't all consider each other family. There's families that people, I've heard of where somebody gets booted out of the family because of something they did or because they're just weird or, or there's just something where they say, I don't want anything to do with that person. They're still family, but they don't get together. But the thing is, we have kind of criteria, right? We have expectations. We have things that we want to line up with if we are going to count somebody as family. That's why Anita could be my sister. That's why Bethany could be my sister, even though she's 15 years younger than me and she's a different color. Because, because we choose to make people our family. And God says, I have criteria for you to be part of my family. And Jesus is talking to uh, a crowd of people in Luke chapter 8, and he's talking about being part of his family. Luke chapter 8, verses 19 to 21. 
And we're going to see Jesus had a physical family, but Jesus also had a spiritual family. Just because you're part of the physical family is not a guarantee you're part of the spiritual family. And just because you weren't part of the physical family doesn't mean you can't be part of the spiritual family. Hope that makes sense. Hopefully as we go, it'll make more sense. Luke chapter 8, verses 19 to 21. This is now Jesus' mother's mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put them into practice. Let's pray and let's ask God's blessing on this. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have, have made a way so that I could become part of your family, so that I could have a spiritual birth, that I could be born from above by putting my faith in you. God, I thank you, God, for everybody here who has done that. I pray that we would understand better today what that means and how to try to include other people in this. I do pray, God, that your thoughts would come into my mind and that your words would come out of my mouth so we only hear from you in a special way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first of all, everybody probably knows Jesus had a physical family. Jesus' mother's name was Mary. We, I remember Christmas Day, we, we, when we were going through Luke, Jesus was born on Christmas Day. In the first couple sermons we had, Jesus' Jesus's mother Mary was told that she was going to give birth to Jesus. And Jesus had his father, which was God in heaven, but Jesus also had an earthly father. His name was Joseph. And so Jesus has an earthly father and a mother. The father is a stepdad, but on earth it still is counting as his dad. In this passage, you see that Jesus had brothers. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 to 56, you come across some names. You come across James and Jude, Joseph and Simon. We're going to come back to a couple of those in a little bit. But Jesus also had sisters. In that same passage, it said, and all his sisters were there. So I don't know if you count that as three, four, five, or six siblings, but you're, you're looking at like a family of like eight or nine kids in the family of, of Jesus. You had Mary and Joseph, Jesus, and lots of kids in his family. So Jesus had a physical family. At this moment, it's only saying Mary and the brothers. Now, where's Joseph? I have no idea. I don't know if Joseph has died I don't know if Joseph has rejected Jesus or if he's at work, but at this point, it's only saying Mary and the brothers. And they're trying to get to Jesus. Now, there's one of the commentaries I looked at, tried to put a positive spin on the, the mother, and the brother's like, hey, they're believing in Jesus, and they want to hear the message that he has to say. But I disagree for, for a couple of reasons. One is because it says that they, were, they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd. Well, somebody in this great big crowd knew that Mary and his brothers were out there. So I don't, unless they're like a head taller and they can see and then they can tell Jesus, I imagine somebody had to work their way through the crowd to get to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, your family's outside. And if that person can get through, probably Mary or one of his sons could bulge their way through if they really wanted to get to Jesus. I think these people just did not want to see Jesus because when you look in, Mark chapter 13 through 20, if you hear the story of Jesus choosing his 12 disciples, and then he's eating with a bunch of people, and there are so many people in the room that there's not enough room to eat. And you find out that in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, his family went to take charge of him, 
for they said he is out of his mind. They said, Jesus, it's bad enough that you're Jesus, that you're trying to teach people, but now you're recruiting people. And now there's even so many people inside this room that there's not even enough room to eat. So I'm thinking, Jesus' mother and brothers are like, uh, we don't really know this guy. Hey, could you go get Jesus? Unless I did the telephone ga- uh, game where you tell one person to tell the next person, which we tried in Awana, which does not work well. When you start here and you try to get to there, it is not the same story. These people, I think, were like, okay, you just go get Jesus and tell them we're outside. And Jesus says, you know what? He says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put them into practice. Now, it may at first sound like Jesus is trying to get revenge or he's being snooty to his own family. Because after all, they think he's crazy. They've kind of rejected him. But I don't think that's the case. Because Jesus is willing to share the gospel with anybody in every situation. Jesus isn't out there to try to get revenge on his family. Jesus is trying to make a statement to the people that he is talking to. And there's at least two different things that he's trying to tell these people. The first, Jesus is telling everybody in the crowd, you guys and doing what God wants me to do is more important than my physical family. Now, a lot of people aren't going to agree with that. They'll say, in, in thought, yeah, God's more important, and what I'm, maybe what I'm doing is more important. But when it comes to family, my family is more important. But Jesus is saying, my family is more important, or uh, God is more important than my family. And I know uh, there's a story I heard about, and I wish I could give more details, but there was this, this missionary couple that were trying to reach a tribe for Jesus. And they, they kept trying to convince these people, this is the truth, this is the message of salvation. But these people were just really resisting it because of their own beliefs. Well, news came to the husband that his mother was going to die. And uh, that he should go back to America and visit her before she died. And he says, you know what, I'm not going to go. Because my mother knows the Lord, and I know where she's going. God has called me here, and I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to do this this ministry. I'm going to share the gospel with this tribe. Even the tribe was trying to get him to go. He says, no, this is more important. Well, two positives came out of this. First, the tribe said, really? You love us so much that you're willing to give up your family in order to share Christ with us? And they said, this must be true. And so majority, if not all of the tribe says, hey, we're going to put our faith in Jesus, which is like the, the greatest thing. He just proved God is more important than my family. How many of us would have done that? A lot of people say, I'm getting on the next boat or the next airplane, and I'm going to go say goodbye to mom. Well, the second positive that came out of this was his mother survived. She lived through all this. And so they got this miracle of this whole tribe coming to Jesus, but they also got the miracle that his mother lived through what she, through this, this heart attack or whatever issue she was facing. And so they got blessed twice because of their faithfulness to God. The other thing that Jesus is saying is that anybody can be part of his family. Because he says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put them into practice. He didn't say, it's just you guys, or it's just uh, the people that I grew up with, or it's just the Jews. It's anybody, because there's a mixture of people. There are not just Jews crowded around Jesus. There's Gentiles, there's Greeks, there's people of different nationalities who are all there wanting to hear this message. And he says, look, this isn't just for the Jews. This isn't just for those people. This message is for everybody. And it's, it's kind of exciting to, to find out that uh, Jesus' mothers and his brothers really did come to put their faith 
in Jesus, which Mary probably did the whole time, but at some point she's getting confused because she's, she's kind of getting afraid of what Jesus is doing because she's trying to stop him as well. But if you look in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, after Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven, you find in the upper room you have the disciples and Mary and Jesus' brothers are all waiting there for the gift of the Holy Spirit and they are all praying. So Mary's up there as well as Jesus' brothers because they've realized that this message is true. Now imagine if Jesus would have said, okay guys, excuse me, I need to go deal with my family or I got to stop this because everybody hates that I'm doing this. Guess what probably would have happened? His family would have been like, good, we got him contained, but I don't think they would have come to put their faith in him because I don't think he would have went to the cross if all his focus was on was trying to make my family happy. He says, uh, he says, no, I'm not just focusing on them. Those people wouldn't have believed, and we would not have had a chance to believe. But because Jesus said, God, you're more important than other things, salvation was being made known to other people. So your, your race, your nationality, your color, they do not add to your salvation. They do not take away from it. They do not earn you salvation. They do not keep you from salvation. It's only by that second birth we talked about, by putting your faith in Jesus and becoming part of his family, that we become part of the family of God. In, uh, next, so we see Jesus had a physical family, but Jesus also had a spiritual family. And I've said this numerous times. He says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put him into practice. Now, if you're... If you're if you're not careful, it can look like we're doing something to earn our salvation. Because after all, I'm hearing the message. After all, I'm putting into practice. I am doing something to aid in my salvation. But the Bible makes it clear in other places that not by works, in Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of rebirth, being born again, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, being made new by the Spirit, that we have eternal life. It's not because of the things we do. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It is not what we do that earns us salvation. The, the fruit is what is going to be seen. It's going to be evident. It's going to be proof. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are going to hear God's word, and you are going to put it into practice. So let me ask you, are you a part of God's family? I didn't watch who took communion to say, oh, Leslie is, and oh, you know, Jerry's not, because that's not even, that's not my job, and that doesn't even matter, because I know it's easy to, to eat this bread and drink this cup because of what everybody else thinks. But you know, right now, if you are part of God's family, you're not. And if you are, great, because that's exactly what you need to do. That's why we're here. We're trying to make that clear. But if, if not, why not? You say, you know what, I am, I've done too many wrong things. You really just don't know what I've done, and I don't deserve salvation. Well, the, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3.18, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. When Jesus got on that, when he came down to this earth, he got on that cross, he knew what he was doing. He was the righteous one, and he's paying for everybody's sins. It's very obvious to him. He already knows what we've done because he is God. If you say, you know what, I'm really not that bad. I'm a good guy. Everybody in here would agree. If we took a poll 
everybody says, hey, you know, Josh, he's a good guy. He hasn't committed murder. He didn't steal. He didn't rob a bank. Here's what, here's what you need to listen to. In Isaiah 64, 6, it says, All of us have become like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Everything that we do that we want to rely on and say, you know what, I'm not that bad. You can just throw that all in the dirty oil pan and say, hey, this is what my good works are compared to. And it's good for nothing. All you can do is throw it away because it's worth nothing. And if you say, you know what, I keep hearing this message of Jesus and I, I'm going to believe someday because I know I need to. I'm just going to wait because after all, I'm almost out of the house. I'm almost free, or I still got this and that, and I want to try. You got to remember Jesus, or some words that we find uh, in, in Luke. Jesus says, I'm going to come back like a thief in the night. You don't know when the thief is coming. He just shows up when he wants to, and, and you don't know. And that could be uh, the, when Jesus comes to rapture the church and take them home, or that could be your own little personal experience of when you die, because you don't know when that's going to happen. We all need to put our faith in Jesus because we have all sinned. And because we've sinned, we cannot get to heaven. But God says, I love each one of you, and I love the guy up there talking right now so much that Jesus is going to come on this, to this earth and die on the cross and pay for our sins so we can have eternal life because nobody's good enough to get there on their own. I hope you understand that, and I hope you believe that. Whether you're six years old or you're 96, we all need Jesus just the same. I said that uh, the important things that we need to do are as kind of as a proof or as a witness to our faith is we hear God's word and we put it into practice. Now, at this stage of the game, at this point of life, you have way more resources and opportunities than people have had ever since the creation of the world because there's that thing called the Internet. You can get on at 2 in the morning and you can hear God's word. You can listen at 6 o'clock at night at 8, at 8 a.m. You can listen to it on your way to work. You can listen, you can read your Bible. Uh, Steve read from a different translation today. Was it the New Living Translation? There are different translations. Uh, you, you can hear it everywhere. You, there are other churches, which I hope nobody leaves, but if you say, I can't get anything out of what Josh is saying because it doesn't make sense, find some place where you hear God's word and you put it into practice. Don't say you have no excuse. There's the internet, you have the radio, you have different translations. You have people that you can talk to. Hear God's word. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote the book of James. In James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25, it says, don't just hear it. You've got to do what it says. The person who hears God's word but doesn't do what it's like, do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror. I, I've eaten some cake or I had some dinner or I got some mud all over my face and I look and say, yeah, look at that, man. Someone should do something about that. Okay, well, that was nice, and I said it, and I go walking away. How much good did it do me to look in the mirror? It didn't do me any good because I did not put it into practice. Now, this is the third week in a row that we are trying to hammer this very idea. Hear God's word. Read God's word. Get on the Internet. Get on the radio. Whatever it takes to, to fill your think tank with God's word, but then do what it says. And no one gets off the hook because they say it's too hard or because it's too scary. There's no free pass. If, you, if you're afraid to do it, you've got to do it anyway. If you don't like it, you have to do it anyway. You have to forgive your enemy. You've got to love your neighbor. 
You've got to give to support the gospel. You've got to share the gospel. Everything that Jesus says in his word that we're supposed to do, he did, except for one thing. He never confessed his sins because he never did anything. But everything that Jesus wants us to do in his word is what he has done himself. So how have you been doing hearing God's word? Are you reading it to, to focus on it, to understand it? Or are you putting yourself in positions to hear from God? I can't make you do that. You can't make me do that. You pay me to do that to some extent, but you can't make me do that. You, how are you doing? Are you doing a good job of hearing God's word and putting it into practice? If so, good job. This is your little hurrah, your little cheerleader. Good job. Keep up the good work. Go fight, team. Go. Hear God's word and put it into practice and keep doing it. Do you say, no, really, I'm not doing a good job. You know, I, I don't read my Bible. I don't really like listening to the word. I don't even, I'm not even listening to you right now. You know, I, you got to do better. You can't, you, you can't let the things of this world keep you from doing that. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about the seeds that were planted. The, the plant grew, but there was no fruit because people were too afraid of persecution. Does that keep you from hearing God's word and putting it into practice? Because I don't want people to look at me strange or reject me because I do it. Is it because of I, I'm too busy doing other things? I'm too busy working. I'm too busy watching football. I'm too busy hanging out with my friends. I'm too busy playing sports that I don't have any time for God. How, how, if you're not doing a good job... Here's your encouragement to, to, to say, you know what? Yesterday was yesterday. Today is today. I'm going to do better. I'm going to hear God's word, and I'm going to put it into practice. No one can make you do that. You have to do that on your own. So here's the deal. We are all sinners who need a Savior. The most important thing we can take from God's word and put it into practice is that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The, as hearing those words, we're putting our faith in Jesus for our salvation. And then we've got to take the rest of it and do what it says as well. So be encouraged to put your faith into action. Be encouraged, like the girl said, to let your light shine. Be encouraged to bear fruit. Hear God's word and put it into practice. That's what God has asked us to do. That's what Jesus did. That's why he gave us his word. We are supposed to be a, a candle, a testimony a light to the people around us. If you're not very bright, stoke up that fire a little bit. If you're not getting much in that think tank, start do, here, uh, filling the think tank if it's getting low. If you're, if you're not, do it. Say, hey, I'm just going to buck up, and I'm going to start putting these words into practice. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God that we could all do a better job, because I, I could do a better job. I haven't reached the point where I'm the brightest I could be. So let's, I'm going to pray and ask God to help each of us to be a bright light. And if you'd like to do that, I just encourage you, because God can hear you the same time he's hearing me, to hear God's word and put him into practice. Dear God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that there's so much in it. I know some of it's hard to understand. I know some of it's hard to believe, God. But you gave us your word, and you said uh, your word is truth. You're not, you're not going to change your mind, that you are consistent, God. And I, I'm, I'm trusting that, God. And you said Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I'm going to rely on that. And God, I just, I need to do a better job of hearing your word and putting it into practice. And I imagine somebody out here feels the same way. So I just pray, God, for anybody here who's, who's just thinking the words or praying to you right now, that they could do a better job. I just pray that you would help them as, as you would help me. Please help us to be, to be good representatives of who you are and to hear your words 
and be excited and to put them into practice. And I just ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. So.